This is a Broad Pods production. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio On The Go. If you're a regular listener, you would know that we have a live show every Tuesday between 9 and 10am Australian Eastern Standard Time. You can watch it on Facebook and YouTube and you can catch up on all the episodes at broadradio.com.au. In this episode, Joe Stanley and Serpil Chanel Mish discuss how important our hair is when it comes to being a leader and whether the shape of our chin has anything to do with how well we do our job. Broad Radio's friend Diana Nguyen tells us about the play Lorinda that she has adapted for the Melbourne Theatre Company and a year on since the Taliban took over in Afghanistan, Joe and Serpil have a look at what's happened and what it means for the women who are still there. Don't forget to leave us a review, especially if you're listening in Apple Podcasts. It would be really great because it helps spread the word about Broad Radio on the go. Here's Jo. Hi there, Sample. Hello, Jo. It's lovely to see you and your very electable hair. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I do have the electable hair. You have fantastic hair. I really have always enjoyed it. Fantastic haircut. But, you know, I am, of course, referring to top of the show, this very interesting reveal that Dr Monique Ryan, one of the most recent independents to be elected to our federal parliament, was described as having unelectable hair. It's... It's wild and and it's got its own character. How can it not be electable hair? Well, I mean, it's in reference to, and we're learning this because of this fantastic Four Corners story that Louise Milligan did where she followed some of the women who were elected in this uh, most recent election, including Dr. Monique Ryan, Zoe Daniel, member for Fowler Day Lee, member for Kurt and Kate Cheney, some of these incredible women in those first few days as they were, you know, walking into Parliament House. What an extraordinary moment for them. And it was aired last night on the ABC and I I watched it and, gosh, it was just an extraordinary um, insight into that moment of just imagine 
suddenly being a member of parliament. And you're thrust into the limelight, which you probably, you know, like in the case of a lot of these women, they, they other than Zoe Daniel, who, mm. you know, who had a TV career, probably weren't in the limelight. And suddenly you were there and, and your hair's being criticised. because exactly you're, right. Your hair's going to make all the policies, right? And, <laughs> and all the changes, right, Jo? That's exactly right. So Dr Monique Ryan, there was a lot of talk about her hair being unelectable going into the election. And apparently, according to Louise Milligan and her tweet last night, that in fact, as the story was being aired on Four Corners, lots of talk about how appalling her hair is, even in the comments. Like, as you say, is the hair... Is the hair what we're, being, we're, we're asking to elect here? Well, I mean, I don't understand why we concentrate on people's physical attributes to begin with. In a position like that, we, we've, we've voted for people to represent us, to, to make changes to, us, uh, to, to policies and to, to make our lives better in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a bit schoolyardy to be picking on people's physical attributes. I mean, you, you don't go around telling people like, you know, Peter Dutton, oh, you're, well, you're follically challenged. So, <laughs> um, you know, um, we're, we're not going to listen to anything you've got to say or you know, the same can go for Josh Frydenberg. There's mm. a lot of bold blokes in politics. He did. I will say Peter Dutton did receive a lot of physical sledging. And I wonder, because, you know, there's, most definitely women cop this more. And we saw this, you know, when Julie Gillard was Prime Minister, it was ridiculous the amount of commentary that was in the media around what she was wearing and the way she looked and her voice. And her hair again because of her partner. Uh, absolutely, yes. Um, Dutton copped a bit of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you if you watch, you know, satire, he's always referred to as Voldemort. Um, mm. So he does he does cop it. I think once he was referred to as a potato. Like, mm. um, so, yes, but I do actually agree with you that it happens more for women. What, you know, what the, the shirt you're wearing, the earrings that you're wearing, how you blow-dried your hair becomes the topic of conversation as opposed to what you're actually talking about, the serious issues that you're trying to tackle, mm. uh, which waters down that person's authority, I think. It, it happens less with men and maybe because men just generally wear the same sort of type of looking clothing because they're, they're all, you know, wearing black or brown or blue suits. Mm. Um Maybe that's why. Uh, but there is that element of, I think, sexism to actually talking about someone's physical attribute. Like, who cares what her oh, hair's it's in- like? It's incredibly reductive, particularly in the case of someone like Dr Monique Ryan, who is at the top of her game as a paediatric surgeon. Let's not reduce her to her unelectable hair. You know what, though? It makes me laugh in as much as you kind of got to dive into the lunacy of it, right? And <laughs> for me, I go, hmm. What would be unelectable about us, Seville, <laughs> if I was going to ask you to suggest what might people go, well, I can't elect her because of this? Oh, you know, for me, I, rec- I think it would be my temper. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I see red, like, instantaneously. And I think it might be actually a strength to begin with. So mm. I would be a really good debater in Parliament. And then I might burn out really quickly because I'm a bit like the Incredible Hulk. But... I don't wait for my muscles to bulge and the clothing to rip off. I'm I'm green (laughs) straight away. (laughs) Okay, I love this. If you're joining us live on Facebook or YouTube, maybe share with us what would be unelectable about you. I will tell you, um, just because I've had the benefit of many years of people, you know, unsolicited feedback on what what they find offensive about me. Okay, tell us. Um, I have an unelectable chin. 
I would suggest because <laughs> I have got quite the long face um, and for many years I would get and not so much of late because I just think people just can't be bothered so much anymore but I was um, I, I would receive many long lengthy letters and back in the day before social media sometimes there were handwritten letters sent so, to me to tell me how long my chin was and how offensive it was to look at my very long chin so let me get this right so a human took the time to take out <laughs> yes. a pen a piece of paper and write a long form letter dedicated to your chin yeah oh yes and did my mum have sex with uh, jay leno and do i take children's eyes out when i turn my head and <laughs> how offensive uh, it is and I, you know that's the sort of thing we go I mean, I can't do much about my chin, such that, you know, Dr. Monique Ryan can't do much about her hair. I think so. you should be unapologetic about your chin, as she should be unapologetic about her hair rather than being unelectable. <laughs> well, I'll take that on board. Not that I would run for Parliament, <laughs> let me tell you. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Look, I took my very long chin off to the theatre the other night and people were able to see past it to the stage. So... <laughs> Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to see when I went to the theatre, the Melbourne Theatre Company, who have done this very beautiful adaptation of Alice, and Alice Pung's book, Lorinda. It was adapted by the delightful comedian and now playwright, Diana Nguyen, who I hope is joining us now. Hi, Diana. You are joining us from your car because you're about to head into work. So I appreciate that uh, you haven't got your usual standard of production, which you are, because I know that you have your own live and podcast video. You have the snortcast. All of it looks beautiful. And you've, you've compromised for us today, Diana. Yes. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Darling, um, thank you for joining us from your car. Uh, what a joyous opportunity to write a play for MTC. And adapt this very beautiful book. What what an incredible gift! Oh, thank you. Um, we had a yeah. You you were there opening night. It was you know in the room we had um, audiences who heard the joy, but also the heartbreak of what it was to grow up Asian Australian, and probably for the other people who are also growing up Australian. Um, and you know we wanted to share the heart and the family story. So. Um, the heart for me in the story is, you know, when Lucy Lamb 
uh, goes home to be with her family and you see uh, the three-dimensional home life uh, and how you know teenagers interacted with their parents and how you know how crazy and awful but also joyous in that too so um we're very grateful that uh we were able to put this on main stage hey diana i i know that you were adapting this play in uh 2020 when you know the world was thrust into a pandemic and, and unfortunately you know at the time we saw a real uptick in anti-asian racism um at the time as a direct result of that what was going through your mind when you were adapting this play and and did that sort of influence your approach to the play with everything that was going on around you it it definitely did so march early march before COVID hit melbourne i was hosting my snortcast comedy lineup show in melbourne and we hadn't got into lockdown yet but a week before I was going up to um, patrons up in a, com- a comedy venue just saying, would you like to buy a ticket? And I approached these four white men and said, would you like to sell you $10, support artists? And then they made a COVID Chinese joke. Uh, and this was before lockdown happened. And, you know, we've seen um, the hashtag Stop Asian Hate penetrate the world. And we saw Black Lives Matter penetrate the world in the last, you know, two years where... I thought that um, racism wasn't overt, <laughs> it was more mm. subtle, but these men decided to tell me that I was different and that, you know, uh, I should be on the receiving of that as a 37-year-old woman. And hence why when Petra and I wrote this play together, we saw, we saw the beauty and we saw the privilege and ache of what it is to grow up as a teenager but we also want to show how that still sits with you as a woman in her 30s and that was really important for us uh, to name it that uh, racism and privilege doesn't end when you're a teenager it follows you as an adult and as a woman and that's what you see in Lorinda today at um, MTC. So what do you want audiences to take away? Because I was there on opening night and one thing I really noticed is that it was a lot lot of young people in the audience, which I love to see that real diversity of age and diversity of culture as well. What, what, what are you wanting to communicate and what, because I tell you that the place sat with me for days. (laughs) Um, It's, it's with you years and I've seen the show eight times already. I'm quite addicted to it. And I think why I'm so addicted to Lorinda is the power that it future writers and creators and young people to see themselves on stage, to see themselves heard, to see that there is a voice that's cutting uh, through the noise of, you know, we're Australian. Um, it's, it's, you know, we're hyphens and it celebrates the hyphen, either you're Vietnamese Australian or you're Asian Australian or you're... Asian Australian Vietnamese, like whatever that combo is. Um, for me, when I see seven actors stand on stage and say my lines that Petra and I wrote, it is empowering for, I believe, the next generation to do exactly the same thing. And I, I've been doing this for 17 years and I can't maintain that forever. So I hope that someone decides to, you know, go, oh, someone wrote a play. I want to do the same thing too and it will create a new generation of voices and that's the biggest joy and I hope that the change that we see in the next five to ten years. Diana, the the main character in the play has a choice between 
fitting in and, and succeeding or being true to, to herself. And a, mm. as a hyphenated Australian um, myself, I, you know, that was always a balancing act for me. And, and now that I'm older and wiser, I realised that a lot of the time I was actually code switching without realising it. So like, for instance, I spent two years wearing green contact lenses at uni. And then when my classmates realised that, oh my God, she has brown eyes, it was a revelation to them is did you find yourself having those internal fights as well when when you were growing up uh definitely i i went to school uh when i was in grade three it was a, a, a white primary school and i was the only vietnamese girl who entered it and i remember my first day kids were like um noticing my nose and they would say your nose is flat and i was like i don't know what to do with that information so i would just laugh along with it um also being in, in the industry, uh, I've been doing this for a very long time. I remember I used to celebrate my tokenism. I used to celebrate being the only Asian in the cast because I was the special one. And that was very problematic because I was now elevating myself on a pedestal so that I was actually celebrating that I was better. That's, uh, I've completely changed that mindset thought because that's imaging uh especially when you're in an industry that already marginalizes and tokenizes asian australians or any other person that's different from you know a, a white caucasian person um that you know what joe said before and asked like what's so empowering is that we have seven actors who are not tokenized they are standing in their own body they're standing in their own voice they are surrounded by people that look like them they have shared experiences and um yeah, we're, we're taking the word token away and saying, this is who we are. You can take mm. it or you can leave it. I think there's real power too in that an audience that you're normally going to be perhaps seeing at an MTC production generally aren't those sorts of, you know, you're not seeing Asian faces a lot in an, an MTC production audience, right? You, you're speaking to like people that look like me, right? So <laughs> it's incredibly powerful from that point of view. Yeah, and we, we know that this show is, uh, I, I feel it when I'm sitting in the audience and I really enjoy it when people uh, uh, feel discomfort from it. Mm. You know, there's a reason why we don't translate the Vietnamese, like you actually are sitting sounds like we we don't want you to read subtitles and be distracted from the heart from the movement uh, that was a very that was a directional choice uh it was a direction to have seven actors play seeing characters who are not of their nationality we decided you know uh white face we took that because for decades and we've been um you know we've been replaced they couldn't find any asian actors to play those roles so we, I love discomfort, and that's why I do comedies, that you can have permission to do that. And I feel very lucky that I'm allowed to do that at MTC, in a place where, you know, shows um, are not from my stories that mm. I show usually. Uh, so, yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah. And I imagine there's a level of um, cultural and community responsibility that comes with putting on a production like this do you find yourself checking in with community to make sure that you know you're not offending anyone in the community because you're representing a, a group of people essentially I know it's, it's so interesting you know when crazy rich Asians came out were offended and said that's not me but I'm also 
you know, challenging that why is it my responsibility to represent a whole community? I'm a playwright, I'm a comedian, I'm a human person who has experience, and we're also adapting a novel as well. So there's all these things coming at you. And I and that's why we made that decision to specifically speak to the heart of a Vietnamese home. So we're not doing the we're not trying to fulfill every Asian Australian experience and opinion. We're 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 going into specifically a home that I have seen and and felt. Um, and so I I do challenge like if if you feel like Lorinda or any other play you see it doesn't speak to you, then go and write your story and share it. Um, and that's when we will have multiple stories in the world that doesn't rely on that one token person, my responsibility to carry you. I yes. can't carry everyone. No, it's too much. It's ridiculous. And, yes, let's hear all the multiple stories. Like there are so many and they're nuanced and fascinating and interesting and inspiring and beautiful and all of those things. Let's hear all of them. Um, I know that you're in the car and you're about to head off to work as a clown doctor. Oh, my gosh, there you are dressed as a clown doctor. Diana, the things you do, I just love it. Can you very quickly give us a snapshot of what it's like as a clown doctor? Um, it's the biggest joy. I realise I don't need 500 people at MTC to make me happy. It can just be one child or parent that I shift and move in my work. Um, and that's when I realise that's why I love performing is because I can do that to any audience or any person. So mm, I'm, I'm very grateful to have this work. <laughs> oh, we love it. Uh, go and see Lorinda, mtc.com.au to get tickets. It's beautiful. I know that it's going to tour the country as well, so you don't have to get yourself to Melbourne. Wait for it to come to you. Thanks so much, Diana. See you. See you guys. Well, today I felt that it was really important to mention that yesterday marked one year since the Taliban took over Afghanistan and I felt like I needed to stop down and make that mention because I read this incredible story that was written by a 16-year-old girl in Afghanistan um, and she was talking about how they are not allowed to go to school. Uh, so specifically with regard to that particular unfolding from the Taliban um, taking over a year ago. And the last thing she said was, please do not forget us. And that stayed with me and I felt well in with a view to not forgetting. Uh, let's just recognise that it has been a year since this terrible um, thing has happened it, to the people of Afghanistan. It's, it's heartbreaking, Joe, because education, we, we're talking specifically girls not being able to learn or work and, and women, is a basic human right. And essentially what the Taliban has done is they've yanked that right away from girls and women because it's a, it's a way of controlling them. When you control them and you make them dependent on uh, men for their survival, uh, that, that is um, a way of making sure that men are continuously calling the shots. And I think one of the Taliban leaders referred yesterday to women as meek creatures that weren't allowed to do anything on their own. Um, and I'm really passionate about this, Joe, because I, you know, I, I've got a family perspective that I can bring into this because my aunties, a couple of my aunties, don't know how to read and write. Uh, when in the generation of my grandparents, so my, my background is Islamic, obviously things have moved on and changed since then. But in the generation of my uh, grandparents, women education on women was seen as a waste of total waste of time. 
And they were seen as mothers and they were seen as, you know, people who performed domestic duties. So my aunties don't know how to read and write. My own mother has very basic primary school education. So she's one of the lucky ones. So she knows how to read and write, but information bamboozles her all the time. And in one generation, I'm sitting here as a person who's got two university degrees. I can advocate for myself. I can uh, make decisions based on whether information is rubbish or not. I've got the skills to decipher um, because of my ability to exercise critical thinking. I can make choices that are goal-orientated to better my life. So my quality of life is so much better and it's all down to one thing, Mm. education. And when that is yanked away from girls, we have such a poor society. And I think as women who sit here who have the privilege of education in a country like Australia, I think it's our duty to agitate for those women who don't have the the, the voice or the power to be able to do that so they are not forgotten like that 16-year-old. Even in, you know, places like the the US um, with you know with Roe versus Wade we just saw that even in a so-called first world country our rights can be wound back really mm. really quickly so I think collectively I really am really passionate about this it's our role to agitate for their rights so you know we we should be out there protesting we should be demanding our leaders do more international organizations do more we can't just sort of sit on the sidelines and be silent about it absolutely and i think there's been some really beautiful stories around the fact that there are secret schools taking place in afghanistan and isn't that amazing that these these people are risking their lives so girls can continue their education that's wonderful but let's not hail that as the answer that's right you know there's courage there that is truly incredible but actually let's not leave it up to them and their courage let's advocate as you say and really push for this terrible terrible um you know ripping away of someone's rights and hundreds of thousands of people and women and girls particularly um let's really you know call on our government to um, insist that there are, you know, there are 20,000 extra places that we need here in Australia. There are people that were promised um, asylum here that haven't made it here. There's um, people need to have permanent protection. There needs to be a clearing of citizenship backlog. There's so much that our government could and should be doing. And let's, yes, not forget these women and girls. <laughs> Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 